Am I the only one hoping that President Trump actually asked the IRS to target James Comey and Andrew McCabe with those audits, with those tax audits? Why is everybody so terrified that like this is going to blow up into some kind of scandal? I want it to be the case that Trump actually targeted Comey, targeted McCabe. It's the least that they deserve is is intense uh, audits from the IRS. I mean, these are both criminals. These are evil men. They were spying on Trump. They literally trapped people like General Flynn and others, Papadopoulos, other Trump advisors into perjury. They specifically committed treason. McCabe and Comey pretty much committed treason. They're not going to get indicted. We know John Durham. Don't hold your breath. And instead of getting being behind bars as they deserve, they got audited by the IRS. It is like the least that they we can do. They deserve so much worse. Throw them in jail, lock, lock them up, throw away the key. And this is not at all like Obama and IRS gate. I mean, that was politics. There they were targeting organizations because they were Republican, because they didn't like because they didn't like their politics, not because they tried to overthrow the president like McCabe and, and Comey. All right, coming up, we'll get into more of that. Coming up, we told you that Russia is getting wealthy because of the sanctions. The media has been very misleading about this. I want to explain something very important because Russia just defaulted on debt. This is the first time in decades that Russia defaulted on like a, like 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 a hundred billion dollars in debt, like a hundred million dollars in debt. And a listener asked me, "Hey, how 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 are you saying that Russia is getting rich and doing well, and yet they defaulted on debt for the first time in in decades?" How does that make any sense? And the the media has been so misleading because the fake news media, once again, because this default, I'm going to explain, it has nothing to do with Russia's wealth. The, Russia has tons of money. They have the money to pay off this debt. This was a technical issue by Biden to make it look like Russia's struggling to try to hurt Russia's credit rating. Um, and the media is totally blowing this way out of proportion. Also coming up, Lee Zeldin says New York State is wrong for trying to force yeshivas to change their curriculum. Zeldin, of course, the Republican, he's a congressman. He's the Republican candidate for governor in New York, and he's actually supporting the yeshivas, and he opposes those proposals by the New York State Department of Education, which would force yeshivas to teach Leslie Mude Kaidesh more secular studies. It would be a disaster. It would be catastrophic. And Zeldin even said that yeshivas provide a high quality educate a high quality education. Unlike Kathy Hochul, who refuses to support yeshivas, and we're going to get into, of course, the Highland Park shooting. Could it have been prevented uh, with existing red flag laws? Plus, even more proof now that mask mandates do not prevent the spread of COVID. Uh, you know, the president of Guatemala says that he has not heard a peep from. Kamala in six months, President of Guatemala, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Kamala to call. We're supposed to discuss illegal immigration, illegal border crossing in, into the U.S. What happened? Wasn't that Kamala's like main strategy? She's dealing with the border, not by going to the border, of course. Why would she go to the border? She's supposed to be working with Guatemala. Well, it turns out she's not even doing that. All right. So as I said, Andrew McCabe, James Comey, they were the, the reports are they were audited by the IRS and it was an intense audit. That's the, that that's according to. To media reports. Now, of course, there's going to be a big investigation. Uh, I mean, look, look, they throw everything, including the kitchen sink at Trump. OK, they impeached Trump twice. Like, what are we worried about? It, it, like, this is just should not be our concern right now. We should be hoping that that Trump actually had the IRS target these two corrupt thugs. 
And so the media is turning this into like the next Watergate, and Republicans are, are getting defensive. They're saying, well, no, it was just a coincidence. Yeah, you know, look, we get audited. People get audited. You, you can get audited. It doesn't mean that the president is trying to target you. But I hope this, as I said before, I hope this was intentional. Andrew McCabe committed federal crimes. Andrew McCabe should be in jail. Remember Jeff Sessions, Jeff Sessions, who could not stand Trump at that point. He was the attorney general. Um, Trump couldn't stand him either. It was mutual. Sessions took away Andrew McCabe's pension. Now, Jeff Sessions was an establishment Republican. He was not somebody who was like looking to drain the swamp. He was not somebody who was looking to settle scores. Jeff Sessions was much more of an establishment person, which is why he and Trump did not get along. Yet Jeff Sessions took away Andrew McCabe's uh, pension because McCabe committed federal crimes. He was even referred uh, by a grand jury to be indicted, Andrew McCabe, or he was referred by the inspector general to be indicted by a grand jury. Never, of course, came to fruition because he's a Democrat. And that was crimes related to leaking. That was related to the Hillary investigation where McCabe committed federal crimes. But like either – and by the way, Merrick Garland then uh, under Biden reinstated Andrew McCabe's uh, pension, which is egregious. But like I I would be so thrilled if it turns out these guys underwent intent. I, w- I wish they would go to jail for tax fraud for anything because they both belong – Behind bars. All right. As I said, a listener asked me about Russia defaulting on loans for the first time in decades. Doesn't this show that they're struggling financially? We were telling you how because of the sanctions, while Americans can cannot afford gas, while all Americans, you know, you can't even buy a car. A listener pointed out to me, if somebody wants to buy a new car, a new Toyota Camry, they may have to wait like six months. A new Toyota Sienna, Honda, Honda, they have to get on a waiting list. I mean, who ever heard? We're in the United States of America and you have to wait six months on a waiting list to purchase a car. This, this is – it's ludicrous what, what, what Biden's trying to get the country used to over here you know, so that he can implement his socialist agenda. But uh, not to get off point here, Russia's getting rich over, over the sanctions because they're still – they've got oil buyers. The EU is still buying tons of oil from Russia, as is China, as are other countries. And uh, Russia's getting filthy rich because now oil is worth like three times what it used to be worth. Like this th- – th- that might have been Putin's – whole game plan from day one, by the way. I wouldn't be surprised. So what about the default? So I want to explain. It's not true. The default has nothing to do. Russia can afford it. The, the, it Russia basically says it's a farce, this claim that, you know, and, and, and their credit rating has not taken a hit, as far as I can tell, because everybody knows that this is a sham. What happened was Russia owes bond interest, okay? People buy bonds, and then Russia promises to pay it back in euros and dollars. Some of the bonds, they can't pay back in rubles. They pay back in euros and dollars. That's what the, the person who bought the bond, that was the stipulation. Is they, want, you know, they, 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 they value the euro, they value the dollar. So Russia can only pay these bonds up in euros and dollars. But the, the Biden sanctions froze Russia's access to foreign currency. They had foreign currency assets overseas. That is all frozen thanks to the sanctions. So Russia stuck. They're not able to pay up the euros that they owe and the dollars that they owe on these bonds. However, <clears throat> that did not stop Russia because they've continued all these months to pay. They have reserves. They have currency reserves at home where they actually do have stockpiles of euros and dollars that they've been using to pay up these bonds uh, despite the sanctions, despite the, fro- the frozen assets. However, what happened was the Treasury blocked those transfers. Now Russia's been paying off, been transferring these euros and dollars into bank accounts over outside of Russia, foreign bank accounts, and the U.S. Treasury blocked those transfers. Even Americans, there are American investors who are owed bonds by Russia. The U.S. Treasury even blocked that, so they blocked the transfers. So literally, literally, you have 
the Russians saying, listen, we're going to pay up the money that we owe even from our own personal reserves. However, the U.S., Biden, stopped that. So the transfers now are not tech, they're not physically possible. Russia's not able to make the transfer logistically. And, and by the way, so Russia owed $100 million in, in, in interest payments, but they tried to transfer it out. And the U.S., as I said, the Treasury prevented the transfer from happening. And that became a default. There was a grace period. So that's going back to May. But the grace period ran out this past Sunday. Bondholders did not get their money. So this default was manufactured by the U.S. It's a technicality. Russia has the money. It's not that Russia doesn't have the money. They have the money. They were honoring their payments. And they just they cannot pay it in rubles. They have to pay it in euros and dollars. And somehow the U.S. Treasury and Biden, they're actually able to prevent the transfer from going through. So they actually are stopping the the transfer. So there's nothing Russia. There is no way physically for Russia to actually get the money into the pockets uh, of the bondholders. That has nothing to do with how wealthy Russia is. Russia is extremely wealthy, but of course you got to do a lot of digging. The media, you know, is trying to is totally misconstruing it because you know the media doesn't want to let on on this little secret that we've told you about, which is that Russia is getting rich off the sanctions while the U.S. is struggling so mightily. All right, so we have to discuss the horrific attack. I mean, Rachman Litzlan, Lenu. This unspeakable, unspeakable tragedy, this attack, this shooting, this mass shooting that took place in Highland Park, Illinois, a uh, suburb of Chicago, and multiple Jews, multiple Yidin were gunned down. This is a very, very Jewish area, of course. It, you know, there's a lot of from Yidin who live in Highland Park, and th- this is just an unspeakable tragedy. Now, this is another, uh, uh, at least on paper, another preventable shooting, in my opinion, or at least. This could you would think that this might have been preventable. This shows us a couple of things. This shows us number one that law enforcement once again has failed. You know, and again, it's hard to judge. Law. I mean, look at Uvalde. It's hard to judge law enforcement after the fact. But I, I've said this so many times. If, if the if the law enforcement officials, if people would actually do their job enforcing the law and look for red flags and actually carry out red flag laws on the books, that would go so far in terms of preventing a lot of these attacks, as opposed to passing laws in Congress, which clearly are not doing the trick. Okay, I'm not against you. You, you want to pass these laws? They passed a gun law a few weeks ago in Congress, bipartisan gun law. I don't think it really did very much, honestly. But uh, you want to pass it? Fine. I've, I've said many times. But you're, you're just not – it's just a distraction. They're just distracting themselves. We're going to pass laws. We're going to do these bans. We're going to tighten background checks, You know, uh, universal background checks, whatever they're doing. None of that is the issue. The issue is that there are crazy people who have access to guns who should not have access to guns. And there's already red flag laws in many states that we could, you could actually confiscate their guns using the laws in, in place. The man bought the gun legally in Illinois. This is very important because the Democrats are like – the media is like, oh, you know, he bought the gun legally, so we got to ban guns. He bought the gun legally in Illinois. Every gun control measure that the Democrats want are already in place in Illinois. Illinois is a very, very – has very strict gun laws. It was outside of Chicago. Chicago has even stricter gun laws. Chicago is, this, is obviously a city in Illinois, but Illinois has extremely strict gun laws on the books. Whatever the Democrats are claiming they want in Congress is already in place in Illinois. So the fact that he bought it legally in Illinois, it doesn't show you that we need to ban guns, pass more gun laws. It shows you that the gun laws in place are not, are not working. Gun control is not the answer. Now, you'll tell me, what about the assault weapons ban? Okay, you want an assault weapons ban? Fine. Get, do an assault weapons ban. It actually might have made it. I always say, listen, they could still get a handgun. An assault rifle ban is not going to change much. By the way, it's not really an assault rifle, but it's an assault-style weapon. But um, it's like, you know, we're talking about like an AR-15. It's semi-automatic. It's not an automatic weapon. Those are, those are not basically non-existent in the U.S. 
But uh, semi-automatic assault-style rifle, ban it, ban it. But most people, they're going to get their hands on a, on, a, on, a, on a revolver, on a handgun. They're going to do a lot of damage, uh, even not, not having a rifle. Plus, there's always going to be assault-style rifles that are exempt because the gun manufacturers, they skirt the law. They try to, you know, they figure out loopholes to be able to get around the law. But you want to ban it, ban it. And in this case, it actually might have made a difference because he was on a roof. So I would have to think, I'm not a gun expert, but I would think that shooting off of a roof, a rifle, could do a lot more damage you know, from longer distance and from the height of a roof versus a revolver. But other than that, Illinois has all the laws in place. So this proves, number one, the gun control laws are not going to prevent the, you know, these shootings. Number two, if they would enforce the laws that are already on the books, it would prevent many shootings. You know, Illinois, number one, listen to all the laws in place in Illinois. Illinois has a red flag law. Illinois has a waiting period for gun purchases. They have gun owner licensing. They have a domestic violence gun law. They have open carry regulations, and numerous other gun control measures in place. So this man, Robert Crimo the, the, the third, by the way, he's 21. There was, a, you know, not, not everybody was clear on this. He was earlier, when, you know, he was younger when he bought the gun, but he was 21 years old. Um, when, 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 he is 21 years old right now. I carried out the shooting, obviously, on July 4th a few days ago. So uh, a, 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 a ban or a minimum purchase age of 21 would not have affected because he could have just bought it after he turned 21. Now, police has a history with this shooter, Robert Crimo, and that's the point. Yeah, how often with these mass shooters, they've almost always had police come to the house due to some kind of disturbance or somebody reporting them for something. We've seen this story again and again. Nobody has ever called the police on me. The police have never come to my house because of a disturbance, because of some kind of domestic issue, a domestic dispute. Okay, Does that mean that everybody who the police has been called on should lose their gun? Of course not. But listen to this. But, but, but when there's a red flag law in place, the – listen to this. The, the, the Highland Park police filed a clear and present danger report. Back in 2019, the, the, the police filed a clear and present danger report. They took they – took, they went to this man's house. He lived with his parents. They, they confiscated 16 knives, a dagger, and a sword. They confiscated a sword from the man and put out this clear and present danger report. They knew this man was a bad man. This man should not have owned a gun. They confiscated all those weapons. He did not have guns at the time, at least as far as they were aware. And in, in April 2019, police responded to a suicide attempt by this man. Okay, now he bought the gun legally. He bought the gun legally because somehow they did not use a red flag law despite having um, that sort of history. I would have no problem not allowing this man to buy the gun. In addition, by the way, his father, a lot of people are blaming the man's father because um, uh, under 21 years old in Illinois, you need a parent or legal guardian to sponsor your application for a gun license, and his father sponsored it. You know, so they're trusting the father, um, and you know the father should have known better. Even now, the father's kind of you know kind of somehow defending his actions, and a lot of people are very outraged at the father. But there were so many different safeguards in place in Illinois, and it didn't work. Why? What's another gun law going to do? What, what universal background checks? Nothing came up on the background check. The, the more gun laws are not the answer. The answer is you need law enforcement to have a man like this on their radar, realize, hey, wait a second, this man's clearly mentally ill. He's clearly dangerous, clear and present danger. They labeled him. He's not allowed to own a gun, and I'd be good with that. You tell me, but aren't they going to abuse it? We'll worry about that when the time comes, but there are always red flags. By the way, in addition to that, he had an obsession with violence, and, and you got to be careful social media posts. But you know, somehow these people, they post things on social media that, that are clearly, clearly – um, psychotic. This man posted multiple videos on social media depicting murder, shootings, 
and violence. So that is a big red flag. So again, it doesn't mean – and he belonged to an online forum where like d- deranged lunatics post very, very graphic, violent videos and pictures. So now again, it doesn't mean you go to this forum and everybody who's on one of these forums – doesn't mean you have a right to confiscate their guns. But the, tr- the trick is you need somebody to put these things together, put together a psychological profile. I think most of us would have seen the history and realized, wait a second, this is a dangerous person. Take away his guns. All right, Kamala Harris, she says that she wants to limit who's allowed to buy an assault weapon. A, a, a memo to Kamala. They are, Not Kamala. That's racist. Kamala. They already limit who she says we have to limit who can buy assault weapons. They already do limit that. Not just who can buy assault weapons. They limit who can buy all weapons in, in states like Illinois and many other states. It's called a red flag law. They have red flag laws. That means that you're not allowed to own a weapon. They also have background checks. And if, and, and if somebody's background check gets flagged, they're not allowed to own a weapon. So she says she wants to limit who can buy assault weapons. Memo to Kamala. They do that. They do that with all weapons, not just assault weapons. All right, Lee Zeldin. Lee Zeldin. You know, I think he has a real chance. I think of any year, people are so fed up. People are good. There are so many people, so many independents, even in New York, even in Radical, woke New York, so many independent voters and even some Democrats, they're going to vote Republican down the line because every time they fill up their tank of gas, they can't help but get angry at Biden. Look how close, look how close Chitterelli came in New Jersey. I think Lee Zeldin and, 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 and Hochul, you know, Phil Murphy was at least some, some people liked him in New York, in New Jersey, evidently, but like Governor Hochul, I don't know if anybody really, even the Democrats, I don't think they like her. She wasn't, she was never, she was never elected to anything. You know, she just tagged along with, with, with Cuomo. Cuomo has, has always been a big name in New York. So we know about the New York State Education Department. This is very, very could, – could be potentially disastrous if they um, put into place these secular guidelines, this, what's it called, substantial equivalency proposals where they're going to force yeshivas to teach a certain uh, curriculum and basically not allow yeshivas to teach as much Limude Kaidish and as much Gemara and uh, force yeshivas to teach more secular studies. Um, because that way they'll be equivalent. I mean, if you made yeshivas equivalent to so many public schools in New York, they'd have to dumb it down so badly to make it equivalent because the education in so many yeshivas eclipses the the, the, the pitiful, um, abysmal education in a lot of New York public schools. Not all, but many. I mean, in New York State and New York City specifically, public school system is a disaster. But um, – he, here's what Lee Zeldin said. He was asked about this, and he said, quote, the state is wrong to be pushing these substantial equivalency standards. He was in Brooklyn. He said, as we see here in Brooklyn with yeshiva education, they're providing a high-quality education for a lot of young boys and girls. And unfortunately, right now, they're attacking these private schools, edu- school educations. My mother was a fourth-grade elementary teacher, quoting Zeldin here, at a yeshiva in Brooklyn going up before she became a public school teacher in Long Island. I have found yeshiva education is a high-quality education that should be embraced and rewarded. We should make life administering one of these schools easier, not harder. So Zeldin comes out extremely strong in defense of yeshivas and against the state for trying to pass these draconian um, secular guidelines, secular restrictions, substantial equivalency proposals. This is unlike Hochul. Hochul refuses to take a position um, on this matter at all, which – if she's not taking a position, it means she's against yeshivas. She just doesn't want to give up the money. She's getting a lot of money. Hokel's getting a lot of money from a lot of, you know, Haredi communities, um, a lot of Hasidic communities. She, she's worried about speaking out against the yeshivas. Why would she not say what Zeldin said? Because she doesn't believe it. Or, or even if she does believe, even if she, who knows? She might not even have any core beliefs like so many of these politicians, but her policy clearly, you know, she, she, as a Democrat, 
she has to go along with the party line. She has to be in favor of cracking down on the yeshivas. But I have no doubt that Hochul has a bone to pick, has a gripe with, with yeshivas. She just doesn't want to jeopardize all the money that she's getting and all the endorsements. And here's the thing. you know, A, a, a listener pointed out, and we talked about this. I don't know how somebody could support Hochul over Zeldin, how any from Jew could support Hochul over Zeldin when you talk about the moral issues, all the gender issues, the abortion issue, which Hochul is, is in favor of, late-term abortion, um, which is very, very, very relevant now because of the Supreme Court. When, and now when you talk about the yeshivas, not to mention the crime, all, all the rampant crime in New York, I simply don't see how anybody with, with a conscience could support Hochul over Zeldin. Now, somebody said to me, listen, it's been an old debate. There have been Rabbanim on both sides. Or Victor Miller, everybody knew he was very, very into going Republican because that's our value system. Others believe in Democrats because of the money. I, here's what I contend, and I'm curious to hear if there, if there are Rabbanim who have expressed an opinion on this. Um, I really want to hear it. But I contend that anyone, even in the past, if you were supporting Cuomo or you supported Democrats, not like Rabbi Victor Miller, to me, there's no comparison because, number one, for, it's gotten much more immoral now. I mean, they, they never even dreamed of – and I know this is – it's a judgment call. It's like subjective, but, I mean, it's so the, – the, the, the left has gotten – the woke left has gotten so extreme. These are horrific things. They're indoctrinating children. They're brainwashing children. And I understand it's in the public schools, not in, not in yeshivas, but it infiltrates. It infiltrates every household, every family, especially now with technology. So I think it's gotten so bad. Number one, number two, um, it, it, it's uh, it, it doesn't even help the yeshivas. It doesn't even help the yeshivas because, uh, by the way, abortion. Number two is abortion because the abortion issue is really on the table now. A few years ago, nobody was even considering the possibility that they might be banning abortions at least after a certain period of time in the pregnancy, and uh, that's back on the table. And number three, Hokel damages yeshivas. Hokel's not good for yeshivas. She's terrible for yeshivas. Yeah, let's let's say let's say she gives the firm community a lot of money. At first, I think Zelda would also give give a lot of money. They, they, they you know they know what's what, what's good for the, for their uh, you know for their own uh, base. You know they know what's good for their own political purposes. They know which which communities uh, you know are beneficial to support. I think could be wrong about that, but that, that's what I believe. But again, Hokel's not helping the yeshivas. You can give the yeshivas all the money in the world if they're going to come and infiltrate yeshivas and force yeshivas to stop teaching limude kodesh or or, or diminish their d- decrease their limude kodesh. That could be a disaster. So, like, I don't think anybody thinks that money, when you talk about those kinds of repercussions, we, we never had that back in the 80s and the 90s. Um, a new poll, Biden's approval numbers continue to plummet. Registered voters um, say 30% of registered voters approve of Biden's job performance, 58% disapprove, 12% neither approve nor disapprove. So, to me, that's disapproving. To me, if you don't approve but you don't disapprove, I put that in the disapproval category, but 30% approval for, for Biden. That is a civics poll, and this is registered voters, by the way. In my experience, registered voters are more likely to favor Biden because they're not as engaged. They're likely voters ha- have a better idea. Now, everybody's pumping gas. So, every well, anyone who owns a car is pumping gas. You know, anyone's buying groceries. So nobody's exactly enamored with Biden right now, but I believe if it was likely voters, it would even be a, it would even be higher. The the approval number would be lower. The disapproval would be higher. And another Biden advisor is jumping ship. This is a longtime advisor, Kate Bedingfield. Um, she's, she was White House Communications Director, and she's been with him since he was a vice president under Obama. And yet she is jumping ship, and, and uh, who could blame her? I mean, the, the ship is sinking fast over here. <laughs> get, get off now because uh, it's, you're going to be underwater pretty soon. 
Um, by the way, one listener said to me, very interesting. Well, one listener said that, uh, you know, because I had a listener, as I said, who, who said, listen, there are people on both sides. There are abundant on both sides when it comes to should you support Governor Hochul or should you support – we should kind of start calling her Governor Wokel because she's woke. But should you, should, you, should you support Governor Wokel or should you support Zeldin? And another listener came from the opposite direction. He said the Frum community made the same mistake supporting Cuomo and supporting de Blasio. The Frum community came out – and look at Adams now – but came out in, in, in favor of Cuomo and de Blasio. And again, it was supposed to be about the money, right? This is going to benefit the community. And look what Cuomo did – against the yeshivas. Cuomo, he came down so hard against the yeshivas, by the way, against elderly people with the nursing home scandal. But Cuomo, he was so bad for the firm community, especially during COVID. Cuomo and de Blasio, they both targeted specifically the Jewish community, the Orthodox Jewish community, the from the from communities. And uh, remember de Blasio with that egregious tweet when when uh, when Yiddin went to the Levaya out, outdoors and uh, and it was, you know, the police had uh, had organized the entire thing. And they had, uh, they had, they literally had it all organized with the NYPD, and yet De Blasio bashed the Jews. And remember the camps? Remember how Cuomo would not allow the, the camps to open? Remember how big a fight that was? Cuomo was a disaster for the firm. So it's like, uh, you know, you, it just makes you think of Altis Vada Lerashus. It makes you think of Pirkei Ovis. And, and, and essentially, you know, Chazal said, like, politicians are going to do what's in their best interest. They are not going, they're not out for our best interest, period. So you think, like, you're going to somehow have the politician in your pocket. There's no such thing. All right, as we said, President of Guatemala, um, he's not heard a peep from Kamala Harris since January. By the way, when they spoke in January, they did not discuss illegal immigration or the root causes of illegal immigration, which was Kamala's – that's whole, her whole thing is I don't need to go to the border and I don't need to deal with the border mess, which she's not. The border is worse than ever. The numbers are record high. They've worse than they've ever been since they started keeping records, the number of illegals crossing the border. Of course, there was that, that horrific, horrific incident. Oh, I mean, it's gut wrenching that incident a few weeks ago in, the, in that truck, where that truck was transporting in the in the heat. That truck was transporting, boarding dozens of illegals, and most of them s- perished tragically in that truck. What, 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 I can't even talk about it. It's so, so it's such a such a painful story to discuss. But here's. What they talked about in, in January, in January they talked about an appointment of attorney general. Kamala didn't like the attorney general that was that, that, who was being appointed by the president of Guatemala, but they did not talk about the border. They did not talk about human trafficking. Give me a break. Guatemala, she's sending billions of dollars to Central America saying this is the root cause. All she's doing is she's paying off these corrupt politicians over there. That money's never ever – that money's going to do nothing. It's never going to make its way into the general population. And she's claiming the reason for the root causes – uh, you know the, the the root causes of of the rampant illegals crossing the border is because Guatemala is such a terrible place to live. The abysmal conditions in Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador. You're not fixing those. You're not fixing. Yeah, maybe if you make Guatemala the next United States of America, and I know they're always talking about how bad the United States is, you know, and how racist everybody is, and not a great place. But everybody's flocking the United States. You know, you don't hear people. Illegally crossing the border to get into Guatemala, you know, or to get into virtually any other country besides the United States. Very few, you know, for all the complaining they do about the United States, these 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 liberals. But that's not the point. The point is that life is always going to be much more attractive in the U.S. than in Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. Okay, that's not solving anything, and they know it. And all they're trying to do is deflect. But uh, the only thing you could do is build a wall and 
uh, crack down and turn them away instead of allowing hundreds of thousands in claiming asylum, which is bogus, turn them away, force them to stay in Mexico like Trump was doing. That is the solution. It's never going to happen, of course, under Biden and Kamala. As I said, more proof that mask mandates do not work. Uh, Alameda County in California, they instituted a mask mandate and it didn't work. You know, and, and in these mask mandates, you know, I actually suspect that they do more harm than good. And now I want to be clear. It doesn't mean – and the media is misleading about this you know, because this media they, – they, they say, well, the mask mandate doesn't work. They talk about it as though like it wasn't done right. Um, they, they have the spin. Masks work. The mandates don't work. You know, the data on masks in general is – you know, there, there's never been really concrete conclusive data if you say that. They get all upset at you. Like, how dare you? Like, even question whether masks work or not. Look at look at Rand Paul. He was saying this for quite some time that cloth masks don't work. Eventually, the CDC caught up with him. But but, but Rand Paul was banned when he said it. CDC wasn't banned. But uh, from from YouTube, from Twitter. But here's the point. The point is that I'm not saying N95 masks don't don't work to prevent some spread of COVID. I don't know. Again, I don't think the data is so conclusive. But for all I know, N, N95 masks work. People don't wear N95 masks. The mask mandate doesn't make them wear – if you had a mask mandate where you force people to make N95 masks, I think there would be a revolt. I don't think – I think there's a reason they don't do this. But that would be a different story. Even then, people wouldn't wear it right. They, they would take it to the bottom of their chin like, you know. But uh, that's not the point. The point is they, you can wear a cloth mask and you're fulfilling the mandate. And the cloth mask that we know, science now says that the cloth mask doesn't work. So it's, it, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. We're going to force you to wear a mask. But you can wear a cloth mask, which doesn't work. Well, what do you think that – and so Alameda County, they did it, and they were surrounding – they literally did a comparison because there were surrounding counties, demographics very similar to Alameda, the numbers of COVID cases very similar to Alameda, and the numbers were the same. Alameda, where they had a mask mandate, um, had the same uptick that the other counties had. There was the same amount of COVID spread. So yet more proof – we've had many of these situations where the mask mandate did not work, but – Here's the thing. I think I've been saying this for a long time. The mask mandate is dangerous. And, and by the way, this is SFK. This is a, a mainstream media paper that said the mask mandate does not work. And they said, well, it's because people don't wear them properly. People are not wearing the mask because they say the mandate they're not enforcing. If somebody puts it down below their nose um, just to cover their mouth or their chin, uh, it's not enforced. So people they are not enforcing the mandate. That's why it's not working, implying that like the masks work. Cloth masks don't work. That's the science. That's the CDC. That's CNN. Cloth masks do not work. So uh, uh, it's not the mask mandate doesn't work because they're not enforcing how people wear it. They, they, the media wants you to believe, well, masks work, but just people don't comply. No, mask mandates don't work. And I think they're dangerous because I think there's elderly people out there, high-risk people. Um, all right, now in general, Baruch Hashem, you know, COVID is really not uh, dangerous except in very, very rare cases, it, it seems. That's what it would seem. But um, – that's not the point. The point is it gives people a false sense of security. Well, they told me to wear a mask. I'm wearing a mask. Meanwhile, you're wearing this junky piece of cloth. Yeah, you're fulfilling the mandate. You're listening to the government. You're listening to so, the, the, the so-called science. And now you're going to go to places. You're going to be exposed to somebody who has COVID. And you're going to say, oh, you know what? I'm wearing a mask, so everything's fine. And they didn't bother to tell you, oh, actually, this mask is worthless. I'm not talking about N95 masks. Even that, I don't see conclusive data either way. But I wouldn't be surprised if N95 masks actually – do work, but I'm talking about the masks that many, many people, and even the surgical masks, not the N95, just these surgical masks are also very flimsy, and I highly doubt, you know, that you just, just blow, like I always say, blow cigarette smoke through one of those surgical masks, and it, it'll blow across the room. So 
these particles are microscopic, these virus particles. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.